0: Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome to a football show brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Two great local companies here in Nashville that will take care of you. They'll give you booze and they'll fix your house. Pretty good combination here. A pretty
1: um, damn good com, com, uh, you know combination because you don't have to do anything. You just sit there with your booze <laughs> in a lawn chair
0: or sofa or something and just watch people work. Yep, uh, and, and they'll do it all, and they'll take care of you. And, again, they Sinkers will even send you the booze right to your house if you search Uber Eats Sinkers Beverages.
1: Hey, they uh, drive so you can drink.
0: There you have it. Bluegrass Beverages. Hey, listen,
1: Sinkers Beverages, Uber Eats, keeping you out of jail. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, huh. saving true.
1: lives and keeping you out of jail.
0: There's no question about that. If, if former Titans offensive coordinators learn their lesson, you know, yes. uh, they could use Uber, Uber uh, to get around town. Uh, OK, anyway, welcome to the show already in progress. Jump into the comments, of course, Zach Lyons, Braden Gall here hanging out. And I will say this. Uh, normally we don't do this, but I, I maybe I should. If you would like to if you're watching this on Twitter, Facebook, if you're watching this on Broadway Sports Media, if you're listening to this on the podcast app, come on over to the 440 Sports YouTube page. We're a couple away from an important milestone, so we need you to come on over and hit that little subscribe button and come hang out. We know more of you guys are watching, and we really appreciate it. It's awesome to see. It means a lot to both of us to to sort of watch all of the products here, um, take some root with you Titans fans, and we love all you guys for hanging out with us. So thanks to Sinkers Beverages and Kingston Group for making it happen. Uh, Stackintheinbox.com, football and other F-words, all our great other shows across the 440 Sports Network. So uh, I, I don't know why. I am really excited about today's show. I, I don't know why. Dude, it just, you, you, you are glowing. You're I'm, absolutely. I'm pumped up.
1: You are. I think you're sweating a little bit.
0: You're so excited. Not yet. That, that Not comes yet. later on. And I need to. I don't have the fan on. So I'm going to okay. to turn the fan, <laughs> the fan on some point during the middle of the show. I, so I'm excited because I want to. N- number one in the NFL. We have a Titans offense that finally feels like it's doing the things that we've been asking them to do for years. And, like, we got one week of really incredible data on it. Week one was a liar, but Tannehill admitted he was kind of the problem, and it looked like he obviously had his career-high completion percentage the next week, so I assume somewhere in the middle is what you should expect. But we've seen two weeks of creativity and first-down passing and all this fun stuff that we've asked for from the offense. I just want to see what the next step is. And this is a big challenge, a really good Cleveland defense. In the SEC, we have... No freaking clue who's great. I'm,
1: I feel like this Cleveland
0: defense is like the Chris
1: Hubbard of defenses in the NFL.
0: Oh, okay, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I just am ex- I think it's a great weekend of football. I, I just, it, you know, I think there's an opportunity for the Titans to be ahead of the two and four record that I predicted because if they go up there and beat Cleveland. Over the weekend, then I then I think with the Colts game still looming, there's a chance for them to be three and three, if not better than that. The Bengals game, Bengals I mean, like Joe right. Burrow
1: may not be, even be available. There's talks of him that he could possibly go on IR, and then you know traveling to London, Lamar Jackson. He's already lost Odell for a couple of uh, games, and what is this? What is this Ravens team actually? Because like I feel like the Ravens and the Browns have one thing in common. They got
0: to play the shitty Bengals. Yeah. The bad Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> the bad yeah. Bengals. Before they, before Burrow gets healthy and they figure it all out. And yeah. yeah. Which,
1: which may be I too agree. late for this season, by the way. And by the time they figure it out, you never know.
0: That, that might be true. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm picking the Ravens to win the division. I did that in the summertime. So Kevin, uh, Kevin, welcome to the show live. We do appreciate you coming and hanging out again, subscribe to the full 40 sports YouTube page. We really appreciate it. Tell us, tell one of your friends to subscribe to this. We got previews for all kinds of college football games you got football and other F-words up there. You got the Hot Read podcast. You got so much football content geared towards Tennesseans, SEC fans, and Titans fans. We really appreciate your support, so go go give us a subscribe. I just can't – like, the, the SEC weekend is awesome. Um, the NFL weekend is great. Uh, I think the Titans have a chance to pull, pull an upset on the road. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but you know what? Like, I just – I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to be alive, Zach. That's all.
1: <laughs> yeah, can't can't disagree. Can't disagree.
0: So, part of my ex- let's get let's get right into the matchup here, of course, um because there's so much to discuss with this Titans Browns game that I find utterly fascinating. We will get to Deshaun Watson, uh of course, not being a good quarterback since uh you know, sexually assaulting 22 people. Like basically since that moment he has not been a good quarterback. The Titans have been very lucky in their in their rushing defense opponent they missed Alvin Kamara. They missed Austin Eckler. Now they're going to miss Nick Chubb, which is very interesting. Just as a point of fact, you've got special teams that are seem to be better than they've been in a long time. Uh, the mm-hmm. offense is creative.
1: I, the I team is better than <laughs> everything else. Still stinks.
0: Well, I, I was. I'm going to ask you about special teams. So these are all the things I want to ask you about: first down passing, trench warfare, the offensive line the usage of the weapons on offense. I got so much stuff I want to ask you. So I, I want to start with how much do you put into the, the short week, the rest, the emotion, the injury to Nick Chubb? I thought Jerome Ford, by the way, was a big time recruit who went to Alabama. He then transferred from Alabama, went to Cincinnati and was very, very good. And he was good on Monday night. Uh, how much, how much do you think it matters? The short week packaged with a pretty emotional game against Pittsburgh where you lose your star in a really, like, a really disgusting injury. How much of that is a factor this weekend?
1: I I think it depends on the player in the locker room. Uh, Like, probably not a big factor for Miles Garrett, but probably a really big factor for Deshaun Watson, who's already, like, not mentally there. He's just a he's got a blank, you know, stare on his face. He's uh, all up in his head. The outside noise is getting to him. He seems to be someone that would, like, Short week, bad game, you know, two uh, turnovers that turned into touchdowns for the other team, um, you know, just so much going on. Yeah. And, and Deshaun Watson said, this seems like it would affect him. It, it's not good, you know, obviously for a team to see an injury and a, and a comrade go down like that. But it's also in the NFL, most, most players have preached, you have to have a short memory, you have to move on. There's a difference between have to and and actually doing so. But I feel like most players just, they know, right? Like they know this is part of the game and probably have seen similar injuries that have happened throughout their college career to the professional career, depending on who they are. So I don't think it's a factor for everybody in the locker room, but I definitely think the performance from the offensive performance on uh, Monday night and the previous week, that is weighing heavily on a team that is yeah. just kind of skating by.
0: Yeah. So you said you, you called him uh, uh, his comrade. So does that make Deshaun Watson a Russian communist as well as a serial assaulter? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. That's good. I'll, uh, I'll,
1: I'll let you slander Deshaun Watson and put on <laughs> any label, true or
0: not. All you have to say on a podcast to get away with it legally is just say, I believe he's a Russian spy. I believe he's a sexual serial assaulter. I believe he's played some shitty-ass football since getting accused of all of those things. In two games, now I know they beat Cincinnati in week one in two games, 55% completion percentage, less than 200 yards per game, 69 quarterback rating, two total touchdowns. The Browns offense has turned the ball over six times, 5.6 yards per attempt. He's You're just not including last year. Right.
1: No, that's just two Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You add in since he's become a Brown and because this is technically he's now played eight games, if I'm not mistaken. So he's played a half a season. Right. And then, yeah, there is a big break in between that, but he's definitely played half a season sure. and he's been just absolutely garbage. And it is. It gives me life. Like it, it, it's like a UT loss in the swamp
0: it just nurses the soul. <laughs> it's like losing to Ole Miss at home in Tuscaloosa just nurses the soul. And, and it's uh, and it's
1: also great for the fact, like, not only is a horrible human getting what he deserves, and a franchise that paid a horrible human getting what yep. they deserve, and a fan base that continued to support a horrible human getting what they deserve, but it's also the national media who is already after a year just washing all the Forgot sins all away of Deshaun Watson and picking all this it. team to be Super Bowl dark horses. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, did you not even watch football? Like, everybody – here's the thing. Good Deshaun Watson was three freaking years ago. Good Deshaun Watson, elite – near elite Deshaun Watson is not coming back. It's just a state of the fact. Like, it's not coming back. Yeah, And, and, and people got to realize that and quit, like, clinging – Sometimes recency bias is a good thing, but also sometimes taking into account that something was three years ago. It's like people who keep saying, well, Lamar Jackson was MVP, unanimous MVP. OK, that was like 2019. We're in
0: 2023. Let's yeah, get yeah, yeah, real. No, no, I, I agree. Um, and, and and Stoney backs you up there. Jordan Pace. Interesting question. The one on one start to 2023 being more like 2021 versus last year is an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. The Chargers win is so similar to the, the win yeah. at Seattle. That was the Julio Jones game, of course, in overtime. Big plays on both sides, but a comeback and game winner from a veteran kicker. Um, What do you think about that? I think that's an interesting an interesting point to make when you compare the one and one start because I think there's a lot of things to really like about this team. And I still think there are some questions that we had in the summer that I still have today after two games in particular, the offensive line. But like, you know, I think there's a lot, I'm part of the reason I'm in a good mood is I'm just like, I think there's more reasons for optimism. Look and, at you. And, well, but here's the other thing. I think we are in a year and I, maybe, maybe you and I've talked about this. I don't remember. Cause I do a lot of shows, <laughs> but I have, I have a, th- I think we are in a defensive year in the NFL and in college football. Some of that in college football is the offensive lines are bad, the quarterbacks are bad. But I think defenses have had eight years to study RPO, this, this stuff that's been very prevalent in college football and pro football for the last 10 years. And I think we're seeing like a lot of these star quarterbacks in the NFL are struggling. And if you are built like the Titans, that's a good year. If you're going to play a bunch of rock fights, titans are pretty comfortable in a rock fight and i think this weekend is going to be a big old massive rock fight
1: yeah i i don't know like i had this weird feeling that i think the titans aren't going to be in a rock fight and like you you i can see why people think that because of the browns defense and what it has shown and quite frankly what the titans offensive line has shown but for whatever reason i just have this sneaking suspicion that like the Browns defense is kind of a mirage. And, and I'd like to dive into this just real quick and try. I'm going to try not to go stat heavy too much. But when when they're on defense on when Cleveland is on defense last year, they were 25th in overall EPA. They are now second. That seems like a mirage. They were 32nd in rush EPA. Now they're seventh that seems like a mirage to me. That seems like something that like that's the benefit of the schedule. Now you can only play who's on your schedule. But when you jump from overall success rate allowed you go from 22nd worst to number 1 in a span of a year. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't seem yeah. and and all they really added was Dalvin Tomlinson. Like they didn't add anybody really big and to me it seems like the benefit of playing the Bengals and the and the Steelers more than it is that the defense is really good. Now, sure, maybe sure. is that good? But it seems to me this could be a little bit of a mirage that everybody needs to take notice of
0: a couple of questions. a says no one in the national media watches football. I'm convinced as someone in the national media. Here's what I would say. And because he said they literally said this week the Titans have a bad, bad, bad rushing defense. Here's what I would say as someone in the national media. I don't watch any of that stuff. I don't consume any of that stuff. If you care about the Titans, you listen to Zach and you listen to Mike and you listen to me and you listen to PK and you listen to the stuff that's here at practice covering the team every day. I I don't 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 get sucked in. Don't don't take the bait. We've covered that way too many times. So I'm not calling you out AVing. I'm just saying that's that's an observation there. Uh, Ed says, can they deploy an eight man front on offense to keep Tannehill alive as we build our win brought to you by the Kingston Group? We will explain what their offensive strategy should be. Uh, Tim says, sounds like a perfect year for exotic smash mouth. <laughs> yes, that's, that, that might be true. Here's what I will say about the Browns defense. And I think Mike Rabel said this at his press conference. 25 snaps so far in two games on defense in which the opponent was in second and eight or longer. Which means they, and 25 first down snaps, they have won that down. And what do we know about the Titans' new offense under Tim Kelly? That They have a 13-plus percent change in run-pass balance on first down. They are a 50-50 team. And they're two really games. good on first down. They're 50-50 right now. That number was 63% run under Todd Downing. That's a 13% change in the number of times they are throwing the football on first down. Something you and everyone else, not in the national media, in the local media, has been saying. And, but the Browns have been dominant on first down. So you can, I'm not saying that your point about, you know, Kenny Pickett (laughs) and maybe, you know, bum ankled Joe Burrow, the conditions, I'm not, that's all true. It doesn't change the fact that I think the point of their success comes from holding you to two or less yards on first down 25 times in two games. Think about how many first downs you have in a game. That's almost all of them. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> so it is going to come down to the Titans game plan on first down versus the Cleveland Browns win rate on first down. I think that is that's where I think it's a it's a rock fight because we got two things right now that I think are are are, are both very solid.
1: Yeah, it, to me, it's there's there's ways to beat this defense that nobody has tested yet. Uh, if you look at the Bengals and look at the, the, the uh, Steelers now, this is this is something that I'm kind of flipping on. From football and other F-words. Um, just from so yesterday? I've, I've, yeah, just from yesterday, because I've, oh. I've looked at some advanced stats. So Don't you I know wasn't... it's
0: 2023? You're not allowed to change no, your opinion. No, no, no. That.
1: Uh, so I was looking at yesterday, and I was like, I don't know if they're going to use a lot of play action because you don't really want your back turned to Miles Garrett, right? So here's what I found out, is that the Steelers only used play action five times. The how many drops? Uh, Cincinnati how many drop, Bengals.
0: Do you know how many drop back dropbacks by any chance?
1: That is uh hold on, I have it written down. I just have 15.6 percent. No, that's not very many. Yeah. No. So 18.2 percent of the Bengals dropbacks, which is 11, were play action. I want to dive into what Miles Garrett does on play action. When he's lined up over on the left side, lined up over on the over the left tackle interesting stat doesn't matter if it's play action or not he has zero sacks over on that side he his lone sack come on a fourth down play against the bingles over on the right side over lined up over the right tackle which i just thought was just anecdotal like when you think about the Bengals highlight uh what was that word <laughs> it doesn't matter when you think about the uh bingles highlights you, you remember that he's like putting the ball in between his legs and yeah, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So you're thinking if you're not watching the game and you don't go back and look at the stats, I left that highlight in an impression with, well, he's probably got like two or three sacks on, on, on the Bengals. And he came away with just one. Now he's got a lot of pressures because sacks and, aren't everything. If I just thought it was an right.
0: interesting. Well, and hey, remember he, that, that, that clip you're talking about was he was head up on the center. Yeah, which is very, which again is is just part of how they use him in a very creative right. way, which was going to be one of my questions because I want to talk play action as well. And so, yeah. the Titans were seven of nine for 168 yards on play action. Mm-hmm. Tannehill had 24 pass attempts, probably a few more. What did he have? Four, a couple sacks, so probably like 28 dropbacks, maybe give or take, maybe 30. So they're running at about 30 percent clip. A it was third like 31
1: percent, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, so about third of the time they're running play action, so they're clearly running it more than both Pittsburgh and Cincinnati did. Mm-hmm against Cleveland. And I am interesting. I'm, I'm interested in what your what led to your change because well, I was trying to get to there. You, you, okay. you cut right. me
1: off. No, we're just having what, a conversation. Well, here, here Here's what led to my change is the fact that on play action plays, he only has one on when he's lined up over the left side. So that's Dan Moore, who is probably a worse left tackle than Andre Dillard. I bet any Pittsburgh fan would agree. Um, and then I, I, who's the left tackle over in the Bengals? I'm not entirely sure who that is over there, but you know, he had a field day too, but either way, he's lined up 39 times over the left tackle and left guards, but specifically the left tackle, right on play action plays, which he's only been tested eight times when he's lined up over the left tackle eight times. So we're talking about six, half 50% of the play action plays he's seen. He's lined up over on the left side. Okay. One, one Hmm. pressure. Zero sacks, just one pressure, and that's a QB hurry, not even a QB hit. So now I've changed hmm. my mind into thinking the Titans really thrive off play action, and now I'm not necessarily afraid that with t- that Tannehill puts his back towards him that it's something bad is automatically going to happen. Not to say that he won't affect plays. Sure. Not sure. to say that he won't get his because, listen, he's on a drought. He hasn't, been, he hasn't gotten a sack over on the left side, and he's only got one sack through two games. He's going to get some sacks. He's going to eat. He's going to get his, I feel like. But I think play action will neutralize the entire defense that Tim Kelly talked about that has speed. And the, the entire defense has speed, and I think play action is going to give you half a second longer than what you would have, and that half a second matters. So I've changed my mind.
0: Interesting. Um, I, I went into this conversation thinking, cause I listened to football and other efforts religiously, like everyone else should, of course. Yes. And I heard you say that. And I had written down the number of times that the Titans ran play action. Now, again, seven of nine, 168 yards. Well, like 70 plus 49 of them came on two plays, but I think it's when they used them, how they used them. And, and of course they went basically max protect on both of those big plays. So if you're going to give him. You know, uh, a tight end or a back or a or even slide Dylan Raiden's out there, who I assume, of course, Kosciusko's going to be out again. Uh, and Dylan Raiden's clearly was the best option at left guard. It might be might be a better option than than Andre Diller at left tackle. I, I think what's interesting is if you're going to go max protect, I don't care. Especially on first down, you're trying to catch him, maybe it up to the line of scrimmage, and you want to get you want to turn the back. That's fine. I do think because I I feel more that this is going to be more of a rock fight, more of a like 17, 12, 22, 19 kind of game, like a couple of touchdowns total here. And and maybe a defense makes a huge play to put the ball down inside the 10 or five yard line for either team that I think you could see a more conservative game plan from the Titans offense. Just a little bit more careful. You're on the road. I think you're starting to see film on the Titans offensive line a little bit more. You're starting to see the shots taken by Tim Kelly. So that's on tape now. And they're going to adjust to that. And I think they could put here's my here's the other question about Garrett. Can Like, do you what do you where? Obviously, you attack Dillard, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him attack Aaron Brewer a lot. And I like well, he could overpower Aaron Brewer.
1: Well, that that's what uh, Stoney has put in the comments as well. And that's what his concern is. Oh, but he, I also, yeah, who said that first? Said the did he do that? Thing. Did he beat me yeah. to it? Yeah, he yeah. beat you to it. Uh, Daniel Brunskill is right there. Dylan Raidens is right there. I know none of the, neither of those guys like are you know world beaters or whatever, but I feel like the better matchup if I was Jim Schwartz would be just letting Dalvin Tomlinson bully his way through yeah. Aaron Brewer. I don't know if you necessarily want to move Miles Garrett around, but if he's not getting any pressure, which he's going to, right? Like we saw Joey Bosa in like 19 snaps get like. 15 pressures like it was ridiculous (laughs) so like i don't i i think it's almost like a keep it simple stupid kind of deal for the browns is like okay dalvin tomlinson advantage to him over aaron brewer more than likely size strength power something that aaron brewer does tend to struggle with and then miles garrett and who is lined up over aaron brewer who just struggles in general and I don't think you have to swap it around. Zadarius Smith, I'd be running over to his side on all run plays over to the right. Basically, I think you need to be going to the right side. Here's here's the thing about this whole Browns defense, and, the, and they got to play. Um, l- let me just talk about the Steelers offense. This vaunted Steelers offense that everybody thought was going to be really big because, oh, they played in the preseason. Man, they looked good in the preseason. yards per drive, worse than the NFL. These are all worse marks than the Titans last year, by the way. Uh, Eight offensive points per game, worse than the NFL. (laughs) 0.4 points per minute of possession, also worse than the NFL. Now, this is two games, right? So this isn't just because they played the Browns. This is two games back-to-back where the Steelers just look horrendous and I'm sure if I looked up the stats for the Bengals, they'd be pretty close, you know, the same way. And the Bengals, again, go around and face another team, and they looked bad then, too. It's I don't think it's about the Browns as much as it is about these offenses that they're facing.
0: I think they have some athletes.
1: I'm not, I'm not denying I... that, you know, like, you know, I think that – I'm not scared of their secondary. I think Miles Garrett is great. Yeah. I think Dalvin Tomlinson is great, and I think Zadarius Smith is pretty good. Other than that, I'm not really scared of anybody. Like, I don't think they have anybody that is a that is a terror uh, for eight other players.
0: Ed, I want to ask you. Uh, I answer. I'm going to answer your question, Ed, and in, in just a, in just a second. And by the way, for the record, I I asked that question about Aaron Brewer. I did not see Stony's comment for the record. So I like it when 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 we're all in a yeah. mind meld together. Um, I I don't think. I think the difference, and I think you guys said this as well with Herndon. I think the difference between the athletes for Cleveland and the athletes for for the Chargers is I think they have a good scheme and good coaching with Jim Schwartz, and I don't trust the Chargers' entire coaching staff to sort of put everybody in the right places. You know, Justin Herbert makes up for a lot of that, and, and the secondary for the Titans, and we'll you know we'll get to that matchup, which is a different but side of the you game.
1: Think that because it's Jim Schwartz's defense that the Tennessee Titans actually have the advantage because I, a lot of conversation has been, well, Jim Schwartz knows how to attack this offense. Well, this is entirely different. I mean, Jim there Schwartz you. knows how to attack every offense. Okay. Let's, let's first off say that second off. I don't think there's an advantage because it's an entirely different offense with entirely different verbiage, you know, all this stuff that's different. The The philosophy I... <laughs> is different, but Jim Schwartz's defense defenses don't really change too much. The talent may be better or maybe faster, yeah. but, Tim Kelly, Mike Vrabel, and Shane Bowen should know how to attack this offense, right? This seems like a week where Vrabel I, is in the offensive room, helping them know how to attack.
0: Yeah, I, I actually think it works up for both teams, right. uh, honestly, and I think it's why it's. I think it's a. I think it's a wash. I, I think it because Tim, like the knowledge between these two f- teams, going back to Houston, is incredible. Like Schwartz knows the Titans, the Titans know Schwartz. Kelly and Vrabel know Watson. Watson knows Kelly and Vrabel. Like it, it just, there's a lot of like knowledge that's
1: well, Kelly Vrabel, Pat, Charles London. Yeah. Um, yeah. and Shane Bowen. Cause he was over in uh, the Texans at some point too. I mean, there's yeah. there's just a lot of people that know Deshaun Watson.
0: Um, all right. So quickly here as we build uh, the game plan and we'll switch to the, to the other side of the ball here in just a second brought to you, of course, by sinkers beverages and the Kingston group. Ed asks who's got more of the edge Titans O versus Browns D Titans D versus Brown's O and I will, I'll be very quick on this. I think both defenses have the edge, which is why I like the rock fight. I think, I, I think that, that Swart, Schwartz knows how to take his elite weapon, Miles Garrett, and make him and maximize him the way the Chargers maybe could have maximized Bosa a little bit more uh, and some of the other pieces. I just think they're, they're going to maximize that and I think you go in there with a conservative game plan. I think that de- the defenses for both teams, I think are better than the offenses that they're facing um and uh, that that to me says tough sledding lots of second and long lots of third and long lots of punting special teams are going to be critical so i think it's i don't know i just think it's uh, uh again i'm 19 to 14 <laughs> or something something weird you know where one team wins with a weird number so where do you fall where do you fall on the question uh I think that the Browns O is so much worse than the
1: Titans offense, and I feel like the Titans defense and the Browns defense are very similar in level of success. That um, I think the Titans, if there's one, it's an or. So I'm going Titans D versus Brown O uh, over the other way around because I just, I just don't have faith in. Ke- I don't like Kevin Stefanski as a coach. I think he's I I don't think he's a very good head coach. I don't think Deshaun Watson's a very good, um, a very good quarterback or person. And uh, I look at the the running back situation now. I wasn't really scared of Nick Chubb anyway, because the Titans' run defense is just that good. Like he may get like ninety yards right on the ground, but he's not going to get one hundred or something like that. They're probably going to stop him when they get into the end zone or the red zone. But I'm not scared of Jerome Ford. That does not mean that you just, like, abandon the run. But, you know, the I look at um, the sacks that have come, and Warren Sharp put the stat out. Did I bookmark that? Because I sure didn't, because I'm an idiot.
0: Let me, while you look for that, real quick. The Browns have run for 404 yards in two games. Yeah, obviously no. That's a really good sign
1: for the for Derrick Henry when he faces
0: the Ravens or faces
1: the Steelers and the Browns.
0: Obviously, no Nick Chubb. I do think Jerome Ford's pretty good, um, but I agree. I here's not. Are we officially switching to the other matchup, like to the to the to the Titans defense? Here, Uh, is there anything else you want to add to the Titans offense before we switch? Or no, I just think play
1: action. I don't care. I I think I'm coming around to the to Tim Kelly's idea that like I don't really care about snap counts and splits for Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears I just want what's smart so it may change week to week like week one Derrick Henry should have got more week two I thought it was a a pretty good split I think I would rather have Tajay Spears get a little bit more rushing attempts but I'm going to be fluid about it but doesn't mean I can't be critical
0: yeah yeah. Uh, I think this is this is the one thing I noticed about the this is an aside based on what you just said uh, Burks is leading all offensive skill players in snaps with 99, which is about almost 80% of the snaps. Chig is number two. NWI is number three. Hopkins is number four. Henry is fifth in offensive snaps amongst all skill players. So that's tight ends, receivers, and running backs. Then you have Wesco with 65 snaps. Spears with 58 snaps. Chris Moore, Josh Wiley, Julius Chestnut. And my first thought was, if you've got enough different pieces that Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears are fifth and seventh on your usage list of offensive playmakers, you're in a pretty different spot than Titans fans have been in in a while. So I just I, that's my first that's
1: without Kyle
0: Phillips. Like and that's without like, that's is just that's two true. more games away, right? Like it's <laughs> two more weeks. Um, gotta my last one of my last points on the offense. You gotta get rid of the pre snap penalties. They they've mm-hmm. got to fix that problem. You, you that's been it, vra- a problem
1: for a year and a half now and i'm getting a, l- a little concerned about vra- it.
0: vrabel harped on it all week everything he was saying was tying into down and distance down and distance down and distance and you you, you cannot be taking false starts the holdings but definitely the pre-snap stuff you, you can't have those problems so i think neutralizing terrible
1: Garrett- on second down You you got to quit putting yourself in worse second down positions with first down penalties or second down penalties
0: Uh, 70% of their passing offenses come on first down, which is amazing, but it also means you need to be better on second down to your, to your point. So, um, all right. So that I think a healthy sort of fluid balance between Henry and Spears. I'm okay with how they're using the receivers. And yes, I, I am NWI's biggest fan. (laughs) You are correct about that uh chig was more involved in the offense last week i expect mm-hmm. to see another layer of tim kelly's offense this week i, I think it's going and the to rate continues and that's that's the last piece of this which is i assume we're going to get the same five mm-hmm. uh, i think you and if you want to hear a longer conversation about the future of the offensive line and what could happen in a couple of weeks or next or as the season goes along if dillard can't play well go check out football and other efforts uh neutralize garrett i think it's quick passing game play conservatively yes continue to mix up the 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 offensive snaps and i would do a lot of
1: play action out of shotgun
0: i like that too i like that too that keeps
1: keeps everything in front of you that keeps tajay spears involved as well just in case he wants to go on a will route if you got screens screens would be another good way to attack this uh Mm -hmm. cleveland defense by the way um only 9.1 percent for um i didn't circle my damn numbers not i think it's (laughs) I think it's nine point one percent of the is screens they've seen the, uh, over the last two weeks. So, increase your screen usage, increase your play action usage. Do a lot of that out of shotgun, and I think you're saving yourself a lot of. Uh, uh, it is. Hurt.
0: It it is the Spears Henry shotgun, Chig Burks pre snap motion, creative play calls, creative design out of the backfield over the middle. That's how you can stop. That's how you can neutralize Garrett with scheme. So I and, and we've seen more and of that's that. That's what it's gonna take. You yeah. cannot
1: rely on personnel alone to neutralize yeah. Garrett. You're gonna have to scheme ways around it. So you and think I trust doing, that Tim Kelly can do that.
0: You think the Raiden Sance is continuing? Uh is he working his way into starting left tackle territory? Is that what I'm hearing? I, I don't know if he's
1: doing that, but I do know that Skaronsky may be able to take a little bit of time to fully heal. Yep. I've just I'm just saying that. I don't know. It's looking pretty
0: good. Raiden's be- we said this on Monday. Raiden's being where he is and how stable the offensive line Stam. was immediately is a huge, uh, like a, you're telling me like, why am I optimistic? Like Raiden's is a big part of it's Tim Kelly and Dylan Raiden's of, of all people. <laughs> That's me optimistic. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's switch over to the defense and I, like, here's my, my I'm going to start with, with this. Cause we know how good the Titans rushing defense is eight straight games without allowing a team to go over hundred yards. The Browns are over 402 games. Is this the best interior offensive line that they've faced to date? Is it the best offensive line that they've faced to date? Uh, uh, Ethan Pochich out of Michigan, big-time recruit. Wyatt Teller, uh, Joel Batonio, really good interior group that you know is not going to be like – there's very few teams that can line up and go against Simmons and Tart and, and or whoever else is rotating in and actually kind of you know hold their own against those guys. I'm not saying they're going to run for yards. But I think they can hold their own. And that is this the best group that they've seen?
1: It's the best offensive line, yeah. I guess I, I would say that they've seen. I don't know. I mean, like, the scheme for Kellen Moore... The scheme for Kellen Moore on week one. Like, if Austin Eckler was healthy and Nick Chubber healthy, then I don't know. Like, I think they're seeing the same... This is the best offensive line. Not sure if it's the best scheme that they've seen, but I think it's the best offensive line that they've seen. It's definitely the worst quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Derek Carr is pretty bad. Uh, everybody's praising Derek Carr week one, but he looked pretty bad uh, well, last week. Um, yeah, worst quarterback, worst, second worst wide receivers, I guess, or I guess the the middle of the pack in the wide receivers. I think Chargers had the best, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I would say right now that the Browns wide receivers are better than the Saints wide receivers. I I mean, Elijah
0: Elijah Moore's not been anything special. Cooper's back, of course, and that's a dangerous weapon. Uh, I think the guy to watch out for is David Njoku. I I think they're they're tight end. He's a mismatch for almost every defense. And he's hardly
1: ever used. I don't
0: understand it either. I don't understand it, I, I think. But Elijah Molden's been on the field for like every snap and is extremely versatile, and they're using him in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of open – here's the other thing. There's a lot of open space. They've given up a lot of chunk plays in the middle of the field. That was Keenan Allen. Other than that one down the sideline and the touchdown, he was feasting over the middle. They threw to tight ends. The Saints did the same thing with Olave. I would be concerned about attacking the middle of the field in the middle of the defense, and that would be my concern is, is again, Watson – Taking the ball out of Watson's hands, right? Like quick short passes over the middle and letting the people do the work and not Watson and making it easier for him would be something that I would watch out for.
1: Well, here's the good thing about facing this team. We know that the Tennessee Titans do not like to blitz, right? Their thing is that we want to send four at you when you pass the ball. The uh, Cleveland Browns right now tied for 7th. And most pressure's given up when the other team does not blitz.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So that is really good for this Tennessee Titans defense and why I think they have the the advantage when we were talking about Ed's uh, question earlier. That's one of the advantages I was considering because way down the list is Tennessee – who is uh, tied with Philadelphia, which is kind of good company sometimes to, to be with is when you're with the, the Philadelphia and it's term.
0: You're talking about the yeah. amount of times that they, they blitz on defense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, but the amount of times that the, your quarterback is under pressure. So like, um, you know, Deshaun Watson is seeing a lot of pressure on four, four man rushes or less. Right. So not blitz. Gotcha. So gotcha. it's really good that Tennessee on the other hand is tied with Jalen hurts in that kind of a stat and that Philadelphia. Gotcha. Gotcha. But to me, when you're talking about pressuring uh, the last uh, Pittsburgh has only blitzed like 20% of the time. And that defense was really successful against the Browns in most cases. And I feel like this team is a little bit more well-rounded than the Steelers uh, defenses. So I feel like when you look at this team and look at this offense and how to attack, it really lines up well with what the Titans like to do. Like it lines up
0: perfectly. Well, and Jeffrey Simmons talked about this. Like they, they are studying and watching and are very aware of Deshaun Watson's and how he carries the football, which is very, he's, he's had three fumbles already, two interceptions. The Titans have to create some, some havoc plays and some turnovers, but that they are studying. Like, I mean, he's always his entire career. He's carried the football, like out here, like he's always carrying it like this when he runs. And so they're very, you know what they're,
1: Hidden, hidden advantage. Okay, well, huh, I'm gonna let you finish because I got a hidden advantage that just came All up right. and it doesn't kind of it kind of ties but doesn't
0: tie. You're you're too excited. I might just need to stop. Like you're <laughs> like no. It, I just think that m- my point is is that they are they've studied it, they've seen it, they've looked at it, they know it, and they're gonna go after the football. And and because again, Ed said, look, we, the Titans need to create some turnovers. They have not mm-hmm. really. They've actually like they haven't. There's not been a lot of turnovers on either side for the Titans, which I'm okay with. Um, but the Browns are the opposite of that six turnovers in, in, in in two games. A lot of that's on Watson. And I think they know they can go out there and, and take advantage of, of the the sloppy ball handling and the decision-making. So now
1: I agree with Ed, by the way, as well, that the, they need to walk away with some turnovers, like the Tennessee Titans. I don't have to have pick sixes but they should be able to walk away with like an interception and possibly a fumble or two interceptions. There, there should be multiple turnovers generated from this game by this defense. If there is zero turnovers generated in this game, I have some questions about the viability of the defense going forward because hmm. you have to create turnovers in this league. You just have to, especially when you have a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill who can get a little streaky with his turnover. So let's, you got to start generating and getting a positive turnover margin going to be good in the NFL and considering
0: the NFL. Stoney's calling for the Bayard pick. So there you go. He's yeah. called his shot. I like that. He's watching a lot of that. film,
1: which will be out at com and prep work for this game. And he says, and he go. says it right here Watson forces deep balls to receivers that aren't that explosive. I'm calling it now. Bayard gets a pick in this
0: game. And he says, I need a TR tart scoop and score. Here's what I'm calling. A uh, Danico Autry strip sack. That's what Love I'm it. calling. Love Danico it. Autry strip sack. So
1: two things. The first thing is not the thing I was excited about, but it is still <laughs> a good stat. Miles Garrett and the Browns have played the the Houston Texans twice when Tim Kelly was the offensive coordinator. He's gotten half a sack in those two games, which I think against a Houston Texans offensive line, that's a good thing. The, to me, that screams. Tim Kelly did a good job of protecting the quarterback in some form or fashion, right? Okay. 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 I think that's very important. The other thing is is that right now is the perfect time to play the Browns because all they're going to want to do if you're a ref is give a flag to Deshaun Watson this offense for him putting his hand twice on referees in the Monday night football game. Mm. They're going to be out for revenge. I guarantee you this will not be a straight-up
0: called game these refs are coming for him i don't, every, I don't little
1: hold, every little
0: thing as an objective analyst i don't love winning games that way as a fan of a team don't give a shit <laughs> take take the win however you get it uh ed here's what i'll do i'll double down on calling my shot because you said he says no no b come on you want an nwi game winner here's what i'll say nick westbrookine scores the game winning touchdown on probably a pass in which he's standing in the end zone when he catches it, of course. Yeah. No yak, no yak. Um, And a Danico Autry strip sack. Those, those are the two things I will call. And again, my, we got, we will talk sec and there's some other games in the NFL. I want to talk about, uh, we are of course brought to you by sinkers beverage in the, in the Kingston group. Um, I think, I think there's a, there's a chance that Nick folk kicks another game winner. I think this is low scoring. Again, I've mentioned it. I'm going to go like, I think the Titans win, but I think it's like 17, 12. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah uh, nick folk uh th- is the proof that titans only need old kickers someone that already knows how to kick it's that way craig ockerman can't get in
0: their head can i ask you about sp- broadly do you not feel that with nick folk going 10 for 10 7 of 7 and then 3 of 3 and extra points stonehouse is still pretty solid kiaris jackson seems to have maybe stabilized at least he's not great but like he stabilized the return game do you not feel like that they're in a better spot on special teams than they have been in a while and that I, in a game like this, a special teams special teams could, come, could be a much bigger factor?
1: I think they're on solid ground, but that doesn't mean much. Like I feel like they have a solid returner, but they don't have a returner that's going to threaten anybody. I, I agree. But he's not going to cause mistakes. I agree. I feel like they have a great punter who has now gone from really long hang times and to allow his coverage to get in there to now really deep balls and coverage is awful. Like Mm -hmm. the coverage unit is awful. And I, I feel like what you're saying is, is correct, but I feel like it's in a negative way. The Mm -hmm. fact that the Browns have returners that can probably really take advantage of that situation. Uh, Poor coverage units and Stonehouse out kicking his coverage. I think uh, Nick Folk has shown That whatever the game plan is, whether it's to do touchbacks or whether it's to uh, make them return it, he's going to he's going to be able to do it, whether it's kicking a field goal, he'll be able to do it. He has shown that. So my concern is coverage units, and that is a huge concern for the special teams. And I do not have the faith in the personnel and I do not have faith in the coach.
0: Uh, Zach in the comments not Zach on on the show Uh, I'm not reading that joke Um, I'm just not going to do it It, it, but here's what I'll say it's it strikes me as similar analogy to where your offensive line analogy and even though I might disagree with where the analogy is they went from one of the worst special teams units to Mm -hmm. like 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 20th you know like they're like 18th or they're 21st or whatever like they've they've gone from like really really sucky to like slightly below average and that's still an improvement right Mm -hmm. like that and that's what that's how you've been talking about the offensive line i think for the entire offseason so I agree. uh, all right well um uh, there you go uh what other uh, building your win brought to you by the kingston group um i I just my i want to glance at other games uh if you've got another game you want to you know touch on go for it the only two teams in the afc that are two and oh we only have two teams in the afc miami and baltimore are two and zero. Baltimore will host Indiana, Indi- Indiana, Indianapolis, uh, with and- Anthony Richardson
1: still in concussion protocol. Because so there's going to be another yep. fake win for Baltimore. Yep. They they are really good at getting fake wins. Like uh, they they've been like that for forever. They,
0: they all count. Uh, Baltimore, an eight point favorite at home against uh, Indianapolis, which again could move Baltimore to three and zero, but also could give the Colts another loss. Houston is a nine point underdog at Jacksonville. I saw a little bit more life from C.J. Stroud in the passing game last week for Houston. Uh, Jacksonville – It came
1: at inconsequential moments. Yeah, I agree.
0: I I agree. So, I think we kind of know what Houston and Indianapolis are going to be this year, especially if Richardson can't play. But, you know, this is one of those where you're a nine-point favorite at home. If there's – Jacksonville's got to win this game. Trevor Lawrence needs to play better if if they want to, you know, kind of keep up here. I – I just, I just, am keeping an eye on it. I think it's never too early to keep an eye on and root against. You want Houston to win this game. You know, you want, you're good with Baltimore. You want to take control of the division as soon as possible. Uh, because again, you gotta, they're playing all, here's the thing. Sorry. They're playing all their division games now. Like all these teams are playing each other. The Titans have all their division games later.
1: Yeah. I, I look at it this way. Um, Doug Peterson said it best is that they, this slow starts can't happen in the NFL. Like they really can. They're, they're very rare that slow starts or even terrible starts turn into something. I mean, nobody's really talking about how bad Trevor Lawrence was against a chiefs team that gave up three turnovers they had three turnovers They had fumbles and all this stuff. And he couldn't get it done with a fully, I mean, fully healthy pass catching weaponry. And now listen, He made some throws, but they were throws that were that were just slightly putting the receiver in a bad position to be able to come inside the end in the end zone. Right. But those are like that's thin margin of error throws that you expect a guy that everybody thinks is already elite to make. And nobody's talking about that. Trevor Lawrence has looked pretty rough these first first two weeks. I, I would say, I would say everything says he's below average, but I also don't think that the quarterback
0: play is that great this year. So far, I, yeah, I was going to say, there's a long list of guys that are really bad. I, th- at, I feel like it,
1: you can rank them one through 32, but really uh, there's a, there's 20 people that are below average. <laughs> like Definitely, There's only probably. 12 good quarterbacks and there's 20 people below average.
0: Um, and, and, there is no average. I will say this. I think the chiefs defense is significantly improved. Just that's not a, that's not to make an excuse for Trevor Lawrence. I just think that that's an actual unit that's that's better. There are more team
1: that you're going to see, right? Like if yep. you are going to be yep. uh, if you're going to be a contender, that's yep. a team you have to show up against.
0: Yep. yep. I think I think Kansas City is a more balanced football team this year than just being Mahomes heavy in mm-hmm. and Andy Reid offense. I think they're a little bit more balanced. So keep an eye on that. Miami you got Jalen Waddle in concussion protocol as well. Uh, but again, that's the AFC picture. That's just I just want to, you know, I'm keeping an eye on stuff. Is there any other game you're, you're looking at that you actually are just genuinely intrigued by? Whatever game Puka Nakua is in, give Should me I? all the Puka Nakua highlights. <laughs> Puka Nakua, uh, Tutu Atwell playing well uh, for for the Rams, which is surprising
1: as well. as well. Like what, well, where'd that come from?
0: Well, they um, who are they playing? They they've got a really good game this weekend. I feel like um, let me check my. Let me check my Puka lineup here and see if they—they're playing a uh, an interesting team. I can't remember why that. Uh, the Bengals on Monday Night Football. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a, that's an interesting uh, rematch there, the Super Bowl. So, yep. uh, Okay, we want to get into the SEC here. Let's do it. Uh, Sinker's Beverages, Kingston Group. You guys know the drill. Um. All right. First and foremost, how worried are you about Alabama this weekend?
1: I'm I'm oddly calm because I think that. I think the reason that they, they didn't play Jalen Milrow was that they were like, let's take a week to see if there's any other better option. And there's no better time to do that than when you're playing this crappy team. Right. So let's see what we got with Butchner, what we got or Buckner, whoever's last okay. name. He doesn't really matter. He shouldn't be on the team he's, anymore. He's not capable um, of playing SEC. Football. Yeah. So let's see what we got in these guys. Right. Let's see what they are. Let's see what we got. So and weird. I think it's weird. I think it's weird, but I think that was the idea behind it. And I think the reason that Jalen Milrow's come back in is like, well, he's a sure He's a good teammate. Blah blah blah. What was he doing? Like beating people up and you know, <laughs> is <laughs> hit people's socks with soap in them. It, it's like, so
0: weird. It's so it, weird. It's
1: such a weird situation that he so created. Weird. I think that is what was going on in his head.
0: There, there are rumors, there are conspiracy theories that he was uh, double double secret probation suspended.
1: Well, maybe he was. Who knows. So I I, I I feel like what the what they're gonna have to do, and they did it at the end of that game this past week. more more Williams, more Rodale Williams, more running the football. get back to basics, m- make this a running football team first, and just beat the shit out of the other team. Like your run game is working. The fact that you didn't utilize your run game versus Texas more, you're you're not that team you're not that bryce young team anymore so i don't i'm not panicked i don't think people should be panicked because i think they're gonna get back to being a mauling football team that wins some games that wins games really big that way i mean they won a lot of games by high scoring margins by being a run first football team
0: ironically with uh, the guy who played in the super bowl last year as their quarterback yeah. jalen hurts in 2017 um i they won the national championship. I, I think what's interesting is that I don't think Ole Miss has the the equipment to handle the style of game Alabama's going to make it this weekend. Uh, Jackson Dart's playing the best football of any quarterback, maybe in the entire conference. They have the number one most efficient offense, but they are not running the football. They couldn't run the football against Tulane. Ole Miss could not run the football against Tulane. And so I like Alabama to play like a 24-3 to kind of game. Like, they probably don't keep Ole Miss's offense down that low, but I just – I just think they're going to play a similar style of game to what you're talking about. And Jalen Milrow opens up the offense. I don't think Tommy Reese is particularly special. I don't think they're going to beat A&M on the road coming up. So I think there is some, some panic, but they could still absolutely win the, they could absolutely still win the the division. So I, I think, I think they beat Ole Miss. Now if Ole Miss wins this game, that changes the perception of the entire conference It changes the perception of the Alabama dynasty and Nick Saban and it changes the perception of Wayne Kiffin. Like it 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 is a huge football game for both sides. I just think Alabama gets kind of back to basics, like you're saying, and and, and wins this game.
1: And that's what they need to do. You know, I told you on Monday in a text when we were doing show prep. I was like, you know, I have a message. I have a solution. That's my solution. More Roydale Williams, more run game. Just beat get back to when Derrick Henry was throwing Manti Tay out to go see his a uh, fake girlfriend out the stadium in championship games. Get back to where you had, you know, three running backs that were rushing for a hundred yards in a game. Like that yeah. is how, that is how this Alabama team changes its whole 2023 outlook. Because right now there is not a quarterback on this team that you can let sling the ball 40 times a game and come back and win. You've got to play in a, in a, in a world where all offenses are trying to score really fast. Yeah, And and score through the air You need to pivot It is time for them to pivot Because we kind of talked about how the NFL is kind of cyclical And you're, you were talking about how the defense May have the advantage in most offensive You know, uh, matchups Here in the NCAA I think the advantage is If you have a good running game And not like, you know, triple yeah. option running game If you have a right, really right, right, good right. running game And a quarterback that can Make the, all the throws Even if they're not all accurate And Jalen Milrow can do that and he could be a part of the running game, I feel like that's how you have to win now. And I think that's the way to go. Like I think that's how this Alabama team gets back on track. And if they don't do that, then they're in for a long season.
0: Yeah, and I think this actually, you could expand this conversation to include everybody in the SEC. Mm -hmm. Like Tennessee, Florida, why did it happen? Well, Florida ran the football traditionally with a very creative offense, and ETN was great. And the, the, the Vols could not. They got away from the running game in the first half. They got back to it in the second half, and they got, they sort of started creeping, trying to creep back into the game. Arkansas hasn't had Rocket Sanders, and Arkansas struggled against their, their star tailback has been out. Quid Sean Junkins for Ole Miss has been, is just, who's an all American caliber running back, has been slowed down because injury and the Ole Miss offensive line has been bad. I think offensive lines are bad. I think the quarterback play is questionable. I think, um, Offensive coordinators are new. Ironically, Tommy Reese might be qualified to do what you're saying, which is very Todd Downing-ish. Actually, yeah, <laughs> like run the ball on first down. But I don't have a lot of faith in 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 Tommy Reese. I think he's like he's got a lot to prove. Um, you know, LSU is LSU can do some stuff, but their running game kind of comes more from their quarterback, which is non-traditional. Um, you know, Missouri's not running the football. I like it's just it it Georgia. Has had nobody healthy in their backfield at, at all. South Carolina has no offensive line at all. <laughs> like Kentucky's maybe is the one team that's doing a pretty good job of balance with running the football, but they haven't played anybody. So like I just think we still are collecting a lot of data in the SEC. The big one this week is, and I and I'm concerned about Tennessee. Like they need to, they need to put it on uh, UTSA with good Eddie Lee Marburger. Eddie Lee Marberger. Eddie Lee Marberger Card- good luck. Card-
1: you want to talk about pressing the panic button? I'm not ready to press. If you want to press the panic button on Tennessee's 2023 season, by all means, do it. But I'm not pressing the panic button on the Josh Heupel, Coach Josh Dad, no uh, thing. Because like a lot of people are, of course, you know, I think it's probably just for ratings and for clicks and listens and all that. that they're like, oh well, this could be the end. It was all Hidden Hooker. Hidden Hooker was the only reason that that offense, you know, succeeded. The offense has succeeded everywhere it goes just Joe Milton can't succeed in this offense cuz he can't succeed in an offense wherever he goes that's why he's in his sixth year but i think that whatever quarterback comes next Nico and the quarterbacks after him they'll succeed cuz they are Josh Heupel guys that he recruited heavily like and security I, I
0: i agree you guys know my stance on Joe Milton i don't think i think he's fine yeah. i don't think he's going to be great i think it's more about the fact that your all SEC left tackle Darnell Wright and your all SEC center Cooper Mays are not playing on the team right now—one's yeah. in the NFL and one's injured—and I think the offensive line was a big concern as well. Equally as as guilty was their tackling in space and their offensive line and Joe Milton's lack of control, the entire team's lack of composure. They need to get right because then they play South Carolina at home next week. Like Tennessee has to get right quickly. Um, Auburn and A and M is a really really awesome football game. Hugh Freeze and Bobby Petrino. Fire, one fired for uh, texting and hanging out with escorts. The other one fired for a motorcycle crash, allegedly, allegedly, because he was dating a girl in the facility and elevating her to positions. They're both back now making their debut against each other. Not a coincidence, boys. Not a coincidence that they're there. And uh, the reports out of Texas A&M are, so So for those that don't know, the largest buyout in college football history is about $24, 25000000 million. Jimbo Fisher's buyout, it's like, Eh, like fifty-five million dollars at the end of the season, sixty million dollars. It's a lot of money. The reports out of Texas are that they have the money should they need to make a decision at the end of the year. And this is one of those games that if you do not win in Hugh Freeze's fourth football game with an offense that is not particularly good, you're at home, you're favored. It looks like Patrino has fixed the offense with Connor Wigman, who I think is going to grow quickly into a star in this league. That you lose this one. Uh, you're in deep, deep shit if you're Jimbo Fisher. So this is a really juicy football game uh, from like a, let's watch the sidelines at A&M. How's the culture look? Are they all together? Are they bought in? Or are they all starting to run away from Jimbo Fisher? So it's going to be fascinating to watch
1: i I think the panic button lies in Mississippi state right now. I think that's the 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 panic button that you need to have because that was a horrible showing against l s u and if you don't look better against South Carolina, then I understand certain coaches you know get you get handed you know drama or tough situation tough yeah. situations, and this is a tough situation for Mississippi state's head coach, and the, really for all the players because I'm sure that stings. That, that's still lingering, but this team should be performing better on offense than what it has been. It has a really good running back, which I really thought that they had a good chance of hanging with LSU, but LSU just blew them out, and mm-hmm. they they really got to step it up, and against a South Carolina team who probably has the the an equal amount of panic button on them, Spencer that's- Rattler, Shane yep. Beamer. And they're not going anywhere right now. So this is two teams at a crossroads, like Mike Vrabel's favorite choice. <laughs> uh, they're basically bone thugs and harmony in it. And they got to figure out what they're going to do. It,
0: it's absolute desperation bowl. Uh, South Carolina's six point favorite at home. You lose that game. You fall to one and three on the year. I almost tempted Mississippi State
1: plus six, by the way. I don't know how you feel about
0: that. Um, I'm not sure I'd touch that one because I think they're both desperate. Uh, Mississippi State would fall to two and two. So the loser of this game is kind of like out of it already. And the winner, you know, you get a boot, you get a boost, but like, you know, this is, that's a really desperate, that's a really desperate football game. Um, Mm -hmm. Kentucky at Vanderbilt cannot lose that game. You have to win that game if you're Kentucky and you want to be relevant. Um, Missouri needs to show that it's a legit, that win last week against Kansas state was legit. They host Memphis in St. Louis in a neutral site. A lot of the players that Missouri recruits, is are, are from St. Louis, so it'll be. Depends mis-
1: on Memphis. They may be the best team in Tennessee.
0: That's only easy. a five and a half... easy there, easy there, soldier. It's a five and a half point spread, so not Vegas is kind of with you on that. Like it's a close game, and a lot of this for me is how do coaches handle the human element? Mm-hmm. Josh Heupel needs to remove the mental side of last week, the composure and the and losing, tw- you know, the twenty years of drama they got to get that out of their system. Like Missouri has to handle the success of beating Kansas state and get them back focused and not let down, you know, Alabama, it's about, it's about removing the human element from and of 18 to 22 year old emotional kids and keeping everybody focused every day and consistent. And that we're going to learn a lot about a lot of people <laughs> this, this week in the sec. So it uh, should be a great week. I don't think I'm missing any games. Florida's playing Charlotte. Uh, that's a, their heavy favorite in that one. I don't think I'm missing any oh, Arkansas LSU is interesting. Arkansas panic time as well. You lose at home to BYU and then you get boat raced by LSU. That's a rough start to the season. So, uh, there's a yeah. lot of teams. Arkansas that,
1: is a big disappointment for me. I really thought they were going to be better than what they were.
0: A lot of teams pooped on themselves last week in the sec, uh, Mississippi state, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, <laughs> uh, and, uh, man, we shall see we shall see. Uh, okay, Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, you guys know the drill, buildkg.com is the website for the Kingston Group. Go check them out. Uh, Football and Other words podcast, you've got stackintheinbox.com. Uh if you're going if you're going uh drink this weekend, just drink Sinkers Beverages or Bluegrass Beverages. Just Uber Eats, search either one of them and have that booze deriver- delivered directly to your house. No drive so you can drink. There you have it. Thank you to all you guys who are in the comments. Please If you are not watching or subscribed on YouTube, please give us a subscription. We do really, really appreciate it. For Zach, I am Brayden. Have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you on Monday.